consent. Dude, that Chloe Feynman video of her and it's like, she's so good at impressions because it's the impression that you don't know that that's what it is, you know? Exactly. Chloe Feynman, she is so good. Like, I just didn't know how, when you sent me the Twitter recording of it, um, or her Twitter video, I just saw the thumbnail and I was like, I just don't know how a Nicole Kidman impression is going to go. And she just knew what idiosyncrasies to pinpoint. And it is so right on, you know, like, she was like, oh. <laughs> and she was like, no, like, I can't even do it. Cause I'm, I'm terrible at it. But and then, and whoever he was, he was like, and I was watching Moulin Rouge and she was like, never thought I'd die. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. He, I don't know really what Keith Urban sounds like. I don't either, like, but it I was funny. It was funny. And I think he made the right choice because he played Keith Urban almost like her gay ass husband yes. being like, oh, darling, you're so fabulous, darling. Like it was such the right choice, <laughs> especially because most people don't know, we don't have Keith Urban in our head, at least in America, right. we don't. Um, so just kind of making a choice that's funny, I think was the right way to do it. It was yeah. funny. It was um, so good. And she didn't say a lot during that thing, during at least it's the first half of the Did you hit record? I didn't I did consent. hit record, which we can keep that in, like just saying nice stuff about. No, I know, but I didn't time. consent. It says recording. Wow. Wow, you just got Zoom raped. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's so bad. And that's our opening line. Okay, are you ready? And it's just me doing this <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Sometimes I want to like, there's sometimes there's screenshots I want to use so much, but I'm like, I don't want you to be like, you don't use hot screenshots of me because on the last one, um, the promo when you're like, and then I'd be in the mirror and I'd be like, not today, Satan. And your face is like, <laughs> if I'm making a funny face on purpose, you can use that screenshot. Okay. But not if I'm just like, you're just like, <laughs> if I'm just like that, because I'm like doing something, just don't use that. I hate that. Because you did have a thing of like, um, always using bad <laughs> shots of me i always i try to get one like we're usually smile like smiling or just like i don't know i want i want you to always be using shots of this to me, like me doing this like <laughs> like that you know that's a good shot well, we, you know what we need to start doing though we need to then pose our screenshots before like now <laughs> so that i have them you know oh yeah so it looks like yeah like, yeah um, oh, they sent me, they officially sent me the Zoom link for Monday's meeting with Avalon. So exciting. I'm so excited. I really hope something comes of it. I'll be, you know, I'll summon the forces of darkness if nothing does. Okay. Uh, um, anyways. Okay, I'm starting now. Um, are we ready? Yeah. Take one, two, three. Welcome, Welcome to, to Living, living with, Jonathan. with Jonathan and Katie. Hello. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good. Um, I just sent my cat skeleton to live with its dad. Um, so unfortunately, I am bearing, I'm dealing with the grief of that, but I think it's in a better place. Davinia? Davinia, yes. Divinia, my cat skeleton. Wow. Which that does sound like a name from like the 1920s or 30s, right? It's like, a little ghost girl name. Davinia. Yeah, but it's like, it's also kind of hot. You know? It's like a fun flapper. It's very much the kind of name where like, um, you know, when you see a kid drawing a creepy picture and then you're like, who's that? And then they're like, Divinia. And you're like, and who's that? And you're like, she speaks to me at night. I don't know why they're British. That's Divinia. <laughs> That's Divinia. And then the mom's like, honey, Divinia. <laughs> How are you? 
I'm okay. I was going to do a Zoom comedy show right before this. Otherwise, um, we could have done this earlier, but I just didn't want to uh, like change your schedule. So I just kept it at the same time. But I didn't do the Zoom comedy show. It was a gay comedy show because I only pretty much only do gay Zoom, <laughs> Zoom <laughs> comedy shows. Except for like one. But um, the and the booker is very nice. Uh, he like book shows and stuff like that. But he forgot to tell the comedians until an hour before the show that we had to be clean and there couldn't be anything sexual in the oh. comedy. And you just can't wait an hour before the show to tell me that, which- Cause you already had a boner. <laughs> I already have my boner full rock hard, ready to show, you know? Um, no, but the, the thing about it is, you know, he was, he was paying for the show. It wasn't that much, but it was, it was something, you know? Um, but he didn't make it clean because he's done shows before that where there's no restrictions. It's that the organization that was doing, that had him like organize and book the show, um, wanted it to be clean, but it was like a gay thing and it was like a gay fundraiser. Um, and it was all 18 and up. So I just don't understand why gay stand-up shows 18 and up are clean. I just don't understand that. Was it gay Christians? Was it a gay church group? You can I don't me. I don't think so. Um maybe it was. Maybe that's what it is. Because you know how sometimes you don't know an organization is religious until you like go deep into their like website and you're like, oh okay, they have like a Bible verse at the bottom or something, you know? Yeah. Um so I didn't do it and not because I couldn't do it, because I've done many clean shows where I had to do 10 minutes of clean material. And I've done them, I've gotten laughs, I've been success successful at it. But the thing about it is that's like not fulfilling to me. Like I usually have to dig up like old clean jokes from eight years ago. And also like I'll do that for like a college showcase because there's like incentive, I guess you're gonna get like hopefully a lot of bookings and jobs and you're getting paid like real money for that. Um, but for just like a regular rinky dink show, which there's no shade to that, but this goes for Zoom shows or like bar shows. If I'm not really getting paid or I'm only getting paid like 50 bucks, like I do want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be restricted. To me, that's not fulfilling because that's just me logging on to Zoom and doing eight-year-old jokes for 10 minutes and literally phoning it in. And I'm like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. You know what, I'm what I'm hearing is that you're a patriot and that's your freedom and somebody's going <laughs> to take it away. <laughs> no, and it's not the Booker's fault. He's a perfectly nice man. It's the organization's fault who made that um, rule. But here's the thing, and this is what I've talked about before. I really don't like it when people are like, oh, if you can't work clean, then you're not a real blah, blah, blah. And it's like yeah. most clean comics, look, if you can do clean and dirty, which most comics can do clean and dirty, but the comics who just do clean, they don't ever do dirty. So I find it really odd when they think that they're better comics when they don't even do dirty material, which there's this notion that dirty material, like sexual material um, is easier because of the trigger words or like race stuff is easier because of trigger words, whatever. And it's like, that's so not true. Like me and you know, like an audience will not laugh at you if you're just like up there being like, her pussy stank. Like yeah. they're not gonna laugh at you. Like, you have to still, like, have a comedic angle, a point of view, like, a point to what you're talking about, you know? Um, and also, like, most clean comics, they are clean because they're naturally interested in, like, cleaner material. Like, they, they, they go to the grocery store and they think of jokes. I yeah. don't give a fuck about that. Like, I'm, I think of jokes. You do uh, your best writing in bed. <laughs> exactly. During, 
during my masturbation sessions and my fucking session. No, but also here's another thing. And I'm, this is the last thing I have to say. I do find it really odd when gay shows or queer shows, LGBTQ shows are, have this rule of not being sexual. The reason that is, is because we are persecuted because of our sexual orientation. So to be a gay comic and talk about sex on stage is and always has been a risk and an act of protest, okay? Because for a straight comic, it's, you can do sexual material. I love that, that's great. But it is, your sex is accepted society across the world. So um, it's something that everyone, most people in every room is going to relate and understand to. But as a gay comic or a lesbian or bisexual comic or especially a trans comic, you're doing sexual material or gender material. Um, you have to make that funny in spite of uh, most people in the room not relating to what you're saying, you know? Yeah. It's, and also there's, it's, it's an act of protest because people do not want you to talk about your sexual life as a queer person because they think it's gross. They, they want it kept under the rug. And that's the whole part of like, not accepting people, but tolerating people. Like that whole thing of, I don't mind gays, but why do they have to parade naked in the street? Why do they have to make it my business? And it's like, because, because we get to also be sexual people, just like you, you guys get to. How many like fucking sex scenes do we see of straight people in, in every fucking Oscar winning movie? Like all the time but a gay comic talks about sex and suddenly he's like uh, using that as a crutch. Like, that's just not true. Like, it's just not true. It's harder to do that type of material because most people will not like you when you open up with that type of topic. You have to make them like you, you know? You don't have the luxury of being a straight comic where everyone has your similar experience and everyone kind of is on the same page with you. You know, you don't have that relatability, so. I that's do very think true. And yeah. that's why I have always been very impressed when you, you just do your like regular standard material. I like the Chatterbox and Covino where it's all like straight Latino construction workers. Yeah. <laughs> and you are such a good comic that you get them to laugh at stuff that they normally would be like freaking out about. Of course, that type of stuff in, in, a, in a conversation that would weird them the fuck out if like one of their work, like friends who worked with them at Chili's like started to like talk honestly about how they feel about their sex life or romance or dating. And this is another thing. A lot of times people will call what I do dirty. And then when you actually look what I was talking about, it was about my relationship. It was about dating. Yeah. But if it was a straight comic do it, that's not dirty. It's about romance. It's about their girlfriend. It's about their wife, you know? Yet it's yeah. not like, it's just such a double standard. It's just not fair. People um, hear like what they want to hear. Like the funniest comment on uh, Chris's, Comedy Central uh, tape, the seven minute one, is this guy needs to stop talking about being Mexican. He never once ever even says he's Mexican. Never right. says anything. It's just Chris is so visibly and obviously Mexican yeah. that that dude is racist and it's just like, <laughs> look, I just hate that this Mexican's talking. <laughs> That's basically what that guy meant. Like, yeah, literally. I was like, the, what are you talking about? Dude, the same thing happened to me about being gay. Um, I think Katie, it was the show that me and you, remember me and you, it was when my abuelito was dying, remember? And we drove up from Hollywood all the way to San Luis Obispo to do that oh, yeah. show. Um, I remember we each did like, I think you did like 20 minutes and I did 30 minutes. And I not once during that set talked about gay sex. I talked about gay dating. 
I talked about looking for a boyfriend. I talked about being Mexican. I talked about my Cholos, Chola sisters shooting people, getting shot in the 90s. After the show, and I know, because I talk about gay sex a lot, I, and I remember getting off stage being like, I'm proud of myself. I didn't talk about sex, and I still got <laughs> to, like, do my thing. And they didn't make me be clean. They just, yeah. I just decided to do it I, because I wanted to for that set these two straight white dudes came up to me afterwards and they're like, oh, dude, you're so funny. I love the butt-fucking stuff. And I'm like, literally never talked about butt-fucking during this entire half-hour set. Yet, because I'm gay and talking about my gay life, it's looked at to that as them as butt-fucking material, sexual material. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why it bugs me when gay shows are, like, clean. Like, I understand if there's going to be kids there, but if it's an 18 and up show and you want it to, you're putting restrictions on the topics, I'm like, fuck that. Like, I just don't agree with it, you know? So I told the booker, who's very nice, um, when you are booking a show that has um, no restrictions, I'd love to be considered for that, but I don't think I'd be a fit for this. So I decided not to do it because I was just looking at my material and I had stuff that I really want to work on. I had like yeah. 10 minutes of stuff I want to work on, but it all had something to do with something sexual or something like that would be seen as dirty. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I'm, I don't want, I just see no point in doing stuff from eight years ago just because it's clean. That doesn't help me in any way. You know, now if I was getting paid real money, that'd be different. If I was getting yeah. paid like $1,200, I'd do whatever, you know. But, <laughs> You're going to be like $12? I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Which honestly for most LA shows, $12 I know. is not bad. That's a lot. Have you, bad. what's the like most awkward crowd you've ever played to? Or like had to be straight? I'm always afraid that like if there's restrictions, like I've done a handful of college gigs where you have to like sign the contract and they are like, you can't say this, you can't do this X, Y, and Z. And like, I don't even have any of that stuff in my act, but I always am afraid I'm just going to say it, like just blurt it out just like, because, you know, just because it's that whole, like, I hate women. I'm like, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I hate all bitches. Like that's what you said. <laughs> Because no, um, I was performing at this LGBT feminist center. And so they were like, you cannot say anything about anybody. And then I was like, second guessing, like, oh, I don't you know. <laughs> what if they said that? Katie, you cannot say anything bad about anybody. And the first thing you say, so my best friend's a faggot. <laughs> that would actually be the only case in which I would be fine with you saying that. Like, that is hilarious. <laughs> no, but no, the most awkward show. And I actually feel a lot of shame about what I did during this show. We drove deep into the woods of Amboy, Washington, which was like the like forest up there. And it was like boys don't cry town. It was like, oh, no. it, 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 this was not near Seattle. This was like, they were much more Idaho, Wyoming than right. they were. It's rural. Like, yeah, very It's forest, rural. which is, yeah. No, it all plaid. Literally everyone had a Southern accent, even though we're in Washington. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's because they all descend from like pioneer people. So that culture like it just carries down. And they looked, when I walked in that bar, they looked at me based on how I, this is how white that place was. They immediately knew that I was an outsider based on the way I looked, which is crazy, right? That's how white and like homogenous this place is, that they would look at me and think that. So I immediately felt not welcome. And I had to host a show where the very funny comic Simon Gibson had to do half an hour. I had to do 15 minutes up top. And then Adam Posse, who from Portland, a hilarious comic, had to do 45 minutes after Simon. And he is this big brown Polynesian dude. And I was like scared for him, you know? Yeah. But apparently he had performed here before and was like, well, whatever, you know? 
So I was on stage. The audience is like so hostile. And I decide I am just not comfortable talking about being Mexican and I'm not comfortable talking about being gay. So I didn't mention either. I didn't say I'm white and straight, but I just didn't mention either. Tried to do material for the first five minutes. They were dead silent. And I just started to riff about like the onion rings that they were eating. And I got some chuckles and I like scraped my way through the first 15 minutes of the set with like a few chuckles and like interviewing the crowd and a, a few things that got a little bit of a laugh that where they were like, he's not that funny, but he's not terrible, right? So I scraped through the first 15 minutes, got off stage, was just like, thank you that I survived that. And I feel shameful because I should have just been myself. I should have just been like, you know, que pasa gringos, what's up? About <laughs> to lick your little booty holes. Like I should have just done that because that's the more like fuck you thing to do. But I was just too scared and, and I was a younger comic at the time. But there's like a difference between like, um, I'm uncomfortable and I'm like concerned for my safety and in a place like that like I, I think that's the right choice it would have been hilarious if you went up and like were like like more flamboyant but you were like y'all know what it's like dating these ladies out here like, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious cut to, I don't know you're actually like a like a Christian comic who's like very successful and nobody knows you're right. gay or Latino <laughs> and you're you think it's hilarious you're like this guy's brilliant he's so meta <laughs> No, he's just deep in the closet. No, but you know why I know what I did was wrong? Hmm. Adam Posse got up there and literally was like, I love being an amboy. Y'all are so fucking racist. And like <laughs> did 45 minutes and murdered with them, even though they all are voting against his rights. They murder, they, he murdered with these people because he was so fuck you unapologetically like big brown Polynesian fat dude from like little hipster Portland. He was so himself and so funny. That was what, that, that taught me a lesson of that's what you need to do because it paid off for him. And even if it didn't pay off for him, like let's say he just didn't do well, at least he would have left there being like, I was authentically me and I didn't compromise for anyone. And so I, I promised myself to always do that no matter what since, uh, since then. Um, and Simon, he, oof. He, he bombed too, just like me. And he, but he had to do even longer. He had to do twice the amount of time as me. And even though he was like, he's also like a straight white dude, they just looked at him and he was wearing like boat shoes and magenta pants. And it was what he was wearing where they were like, you are not one of us. Mm. And he just like bombed. No, they, they hated him. Um, but they liked Adam because Adam was like, you, he was like Ty Rivera at the place. Like you will like me or I will kill you. Like, that's but, literally what he did. Yeah, but the, I think the difference there, too, though, is, like, if he was, and I'm presuming, like, because you said he was, like, big Polynesian brown, like, if you're, like, physically imposing, you can get away with saying so much more. Like, like Guy Branham could say anything he wanted in that room because he is the biggest guy in the room. Yes, but I, I do agree, like, the size thing does make a difference. Guy's very big. Adam is very big. Very big. He's a big Polynesian dude. Yeah, they're, like, imp they're physically imposing, so men yeah. don't feel as, like, um, they can't say as much. I think that is a yes, thing. But there's still a danger because True. you're still, they can still fucking jump you. Even a big dude, if they're jumped by a lot of smaller dudes, they can still fucking jump you and kill you. You know? Yeah. And this was a bar in the forest, Katie. It was like in the middle of nowhere. In, we were just surrounded <laughs> by trees. I was like, this is exactly where you get murdered. And it was raining. I was like, oh God, it was just scary as fuck. 
like I perform to nicer bars in Oklahoma and I've been to Oklahoma to do comedy three times. Yeah. You know, but I do think that there is a thing. I mean, we also all have those moments of like shame. I have probably like 500. No, like the the shows I regret the most, I did have a problem. And I want to say I used to when I started out, but no, like this happened like a year or two ago. Like I have a problem. Another reason I'm afraid, like if I'm on contract to not say something that I'll say it that like, and I think I am like, I'm a very like, thoughtful, compassionate, empathetic person. And I usually do read the room, but like, <laughs> it's so I'm funny such a thoughtful. good person. I'm such a good person, you guys. I'm such an ally. Um, you be so grateful. No, but I think I like usually am like thoughtful and like considerate, but like, God, the first time I did this recovery room and it was like a very hardcore recovery center where people were living and all that stuff. And like, I just, I didn't realize how much like faith gets you through those things. Mm -hmm. And so I like my whole heck, half that act. I don't know why I was just like talking shit on Christians and Jesus and how everyone who believes in Jesus is so stupid. And like, it was so bad. Like I was like, why is this bombing right now? And it was like people who were like, literally God is the only thing that gets me through this, you know? Yeah. Um, you should have told them, look, it's not my fault that you were, you were addicted to heroin. Okay. <laughs> because Jesus still ain't real. Y'all. And um, that's the truth. No, I, devil I, in you. that, and then also doing, doing a Marine fundraiser. And then all my material was about how I would love to see my family members die. <laughs> and it was Christmas time. <laughs> and again, I was like, why don't they like this? Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's cause it's their biggest fear. Um, so I feel like whatever I should definitely not say is all is what I end up saying. The weirdest, one of the weirdest shows, and I told you about this, um, Okay, I had two early on in stand up, and I've told I said this before. I could not do gay shows. Gay people didn't like me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. It was very hard, and I think because gay got gay gay men, they've gotten better in the past ten years. But like in the early, even in the early twenty tens, it was hard to get gay audiences to like you because they usually wanted a woman to perform or a drag queen, right? But when they see other gay men that like reflect themselves and their experience, because we're not used to seeing ourselves. They get very tight, like, oh, is this person going to represent us well? Or is they going to be a fool? Like, what, are they going to be a stereotype? So I just was always having a lot of trouble in gay crowds. And I remember I bombed hard at Hamburger Mary's in West Hollywood um, in like 2013. Uh, but eventually, I just kept doing, doing, doing gay shows. And finally, I was able to like, start to do well. Now, gay shows are the funnest shows for me to do. But at the beginning, because I came up in the straight comedy scene the like mainstream comedy scene I didn't come up in like a gay scene you know you know you're like I came up in the straights like I, I came up in the straights no but it's true it's it's a di it's kind of like you know it is, yeah. there was two different scenes um oh but then this was more recently this was like in 2018 I did a Latino show which was called at the time a Latinx show okay at UCB Sunset and it was the weirdest set I've ever had so I go up I do just like material that has nothing to do about being gay or Latino. They are not there for it. They're like, we don't like this, right? Although I did have to follow a woman who, it was a variety show. So she was, they had her open a show with her 15 minute story about how she was raped as she was on her journey crossing the border. So that was a harrowing story. And then they were like, and here's a comic, you know? And then I had to come out and be like, you know, it was terrible. So it could have been that. It could have been that they were just like, yeah, so we're still focused on her tragic rape, 
you know. That's horrifying. It was horrifying. And she told a good story, but it was a dramatic story. And it was, you know, it was something that maybe a comic shouldn't follow. It maybe should have been later in the show, you know, but. um, That's a good closer, I think. (laughs) But then as soon as I started to talk about being Latino, literally as soon as I started to talk about being Latino, I went from bombing to killing big, huge laughs, every joke. And, and I did that. So the first like five minutes bombing, the second five minutes, um, killing literally I did my, like, um, I don't look Latino uh, joke or whatever big laugh from then on. I was just like, kill it. Right. Then I go from my Latino stuff to talking about being gay and Latino and how my sisters reacted to that dead bomb again. So went, so, cause there's a 15 minute set. So went, so then the last five minutes was dead bombing again. And I was like, what is this crowd? Like I dead bombing at first, then killing. And then suddenly, as soon as I mentioned like being gay, they were like, it, but it was, and it wasn't just like my jokes started to do worse. It was like my jokes just lost power, you know? And I just don't know what it was. And I recorded the set and I was like, it, I seem to be around the same energy that I usually perform at. And, um, I just don't know. And I just thought it was ironic that they called, that they build the show as a Latinx show because Latinx, the whole point of that is supposed to be like inclusive of all sexual and gender identities of Latinos. And I'm just like, yeah, that wasn't really a Latinx show. That was just a Latino show. You know, they weren't were really they, like- Were they like um, cool with other people comics or was it just a whack crowd? Uh, I don't know because- no, they seem to be good with, um, there was a comic who followed me who they liked, who was like a straight Latino dude, who was just talking about being like a Latino dad and his kids or whatever. They liked him. He wasn't killing, but he did better than me for sure. Um, but then they also laughed at this sketch group who opened the show before the storyteller. Um, and they weren't laughing at them, but then that sketch group wasn't that funny. So I don't know. It was just a weird, it was just a weird crowd, I would have to say. And it was also a weirdly done show. And, you know, as a comic, you kind of want to blame yourself. Like, I just wasn't good enough or whatever. But sometimes you're just like, the audience is so weird with you. Like, if I had just bombed all the way through, I'd be like, well, maybe it was my energy, maybe it was me. But to just, like, have these, like, periods of the set where you go from dead bombing to straight up killing is just so odd to me where I just don't know what to think. Very strangely, after that show, I got a flood of gay Latino um, Instagram followers, which a flood for me is like 10. Um, yeah. And they all messaged me like individually being like, hey, I loved you on, on that show. And I was like, how did you like oh, me? How did you yeah. like me on that show? Like only like the middle part was good. And then the two ends were shit. So it's just so weird. So I honestly think I blame the crowd, you know, but you know what it was, I think even though there was a lot of young Latinos in the crowd, they were there with their families. A lot of so them were there why, with like- I was gonna say, were, are they like out or do they feel comfortable laughing? Yeah, I think maybe it's because they were there with their parents and stuff like that, that they didn't, they didn't like any sexual material and they didn't like any like, definitely not gay material. They, they, I think for the first five minutes were recovering from the rape story. So I was gonna bomb no matter what, because it's like, you have to bomb for the first five minutes to change the energy. And then I think once I went into the Latino stuff, they were like, yeah, we're, we're, we got it. We got it rolling. And then when I went to the gay stuff, they were like, oh, no, shit, no. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, then that's not my fault. I've been trying to think. I, 
I never blame the crowd. I always blame my father, but (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, the, uh, I was trying to think of like, what are the most awkward things I've ever had to follow? You've had a lot of good stories. There's some good I'm trying to think of like, and now I'm thinking, I mean, I just feel like so many of times it's like actual mental illness, like full on like a psychotic break that I have to follow or like some like fight or some like awkward, like I'm so just like, oh, and sometimes I do well, sometimes I don't. I just, I like, I hate it. I'm trying to think of like, I feel like it's funny. We're like reminiscing about stand-up since we no, it's haven't true. done it for so long. No. And what I meant by you have good stories is you usually do well, but when you do encounter a really weird show or a very bad show, I feel like you do have a crazy story about why that particular show went awry. And it does always involve a screaming drunk woman, a screaming yeah. drunk man, someone on stage who is screaming and drunk. it's like always someone who is losing their shit and it always takes place in orange county or like san diego nine out of ten times or except for i i think my worst show okay because i think i've only cried after stand-up twice which is amazing i can't believe i don't make more people cry but um i uh no it was the night trump won because i did a show that night and it was like like literally i just remember there was like a man in the front row in like full camo with like an america hat like just it was like I was in like the belly of the beast and they fucking hated like I've never felt people hate me so much. Yeah. Um, other than again my dad. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like it was like so memorable and I like cried. I mean probably for several reasons, but I remember it because I was like, they hate me. Yeah. Um because you to them, you represented Hillary. Yeah, I was Hillary. You were Hillary. I was in a pantsuit. That night that, that Trump got elected, me and a uh, very funny comic, Marlena Rodriguez, and, and she's a writer too, we were like going to go to John Early and Kate Berlant's show at the New Beverly um, in West Hollywood because Molly Shannon was going to be a guest. And so it was like John dressed up as Hillary Clinton. They were all live watching the election results while doing performances and stuff. Um, Kate, as, as I don't think she dressed up, but I'm not sure. Molly is just Molly. And then Father John Misty, who got up and did something. And I know, like, they're probably friends with him. But my God, like, don't stop letting, like, hot musician dudes try to do stand-up. It ain't good. It's not cute. It's not good. We don't need it. Um, If you're musically gifted, be musically gifted. Yeah. So the funniest thing was when the night was lost and everyone realized that Trump was going to win, Kate was, you know, because they're on mic and they're reacting. And she goes, she earnestly asked, she goes like, why is he winning, you know? And then the funniest thing was John turning to Kate, dressed as Hillary Clinton go in a Southern accent going, because she's a fucking bitch, Kate. She's a fucking bitch. <laughs> and it was so funny, so meta. And it, the whole audience just lost it because he was just in one sentence making fun of the right conservative part of the country how people think like the sexist ways people think about Hillary it was just so funny and of course Molly Shannon was funny at every single turn like she is legit someone who is never stopped being funny she's so good um okay it's like a- <laughs> can we can we talk about um the one gig I wanted to go back to um that we thought was going to be our death and the disaster and it ended up being our favorite gig of all time go for it talk about it Lakewood Lakewood. 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 Um, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's one of those like, don't, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't 
don't judge a bar by its cholos kind of situation. Exactly. Also, I just want to specify so everyone, so we can set the scene. We are talking about the Lakewood suburb of LA, not, um, not the famous mythical forest of Middle Earth yes. um, in The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, which is home to the necromancer, which who later became revealed as the Lord Sauron. Yes, exactly. Um, in case people got confused whether it was like Sauron, Lord of the Rings, Lakewood, or LA Lakewood. Or Cholo Lakewood. Um, right. Yeah, so we were booked at this bar show in Lakewood. And Describe we went, Lakewood. Like, it's like a suburb of LA. But it's not it, a nice suburb. No, it's kind of the, it's one of these like dead zones I feel, feel like between LA and OC is like these like mysterious. Working class. Working class, you know, suburbs, whatever. And we do like plenty of dive bar shows. So it wasn't like that yeah. crazy. And I don't think we were that worried until we, it wasn't even that we were like going to Lakewood. That wasn't the problem. It was like once we got to the bar and we realized that uh, this was a dive bar and a strip mall where there was a Raiders game happening. Yes, Raiders, and it was not a good thing. Full of cholos. Yes. And we literally, like, I remember we walked in and I, like, it was like we looked at each other, like we were on the deck of the Titanic. And like in my mind, we like grabbed each other's hands and we're like, it's been a good, like an honor to serve with you, mate, or whatever that <laughs> We just start playing violins. Like our violins, yeah. No, but also remember, it wasn't just full of cholos, Katie. It, the, the majority of the men in there were Latino and were cholos. But in addition to cholos, they had plenty of white dudes who were like the working class pickup like truck white dudes. worker, yeah. And they had the they had black dudes in there who were also like working class like pickup driver black dudes. So no matter what demographic, it was actually quite a diverse bar. It was, yeah. Right. No matter what demographic, it was like the tough worker, maybe former gang member, but now yeah. like tough tough dad type guy. And I didn't think we were going to get jumped, but I just thought these guys are like old dads in their 40s and 50s who are not going to like us. And they're also, remember, it was guerrilla comedy. They didn't know a show was about to yeah, happen. Yeah, they didn't know it was happening. It was a Raiders game was finishing up. And yeah. the best part, and shout out to Ricky Macias, this was his show. Um, there also like was no stage. And so they were setting up the mic, which there was barely a mic, between the two pool tables where there were active pool games. Right. And we were supposed to stand in the middle and we were like, well, what a nightmare. This is going to be horrible. I think you and I were like, um, like, I think it was me and then you, like we were the last two comics on the bill, which we were like even worse. Like it was like, it could not be any worse. And we were like, well, we're just going to have to like, this will be a bad one. We'll remember what a nightmare it was. Mm -hmm. And we ended up crushing. Yeah. Like the bar had like kind of like the game had ended people had filtered out and it was a thing too where i remember like some white guy comic went up before us and he kind of started getting into like a tip with some other guy because the guy was like drunk and heckling him which like, yes. of course was going to happen and he got really like defensive really quick and so we were like oh god now there's gonna be like a fight like what a nightmare wait 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 who got defensive the the heckler or the comic the comic like the, the heckler comic. was kind of like like the white guy was like immediately like, yeah, bro, like you want to go? It's like, oh my gosh, stop. Well, because the white guy was on his, his, he was on the defensive before he got on stage yeah. and that was his mistake. He didn't know to play with the heckler a little bit because that's what me and you did. Yeah. Remember, we just decided there was like a thing right before because we were waiting for a long ass time to go up, I remember. Um, I think it was actually while they were setting up, it seemed like an eternity. And we had this sentiment i remember sitting next to each other on the bar stools of what whatever let's just go up and who gives a fuck and let's just have fun and do whatever we want because we're gonna bomb that's how we thought yeah and 
when we went up, we of course did material, but when we started to get heckled from the crowd, both of us were able to do crowd work and heckle back in a playful way where I remember both of us were able to like make fun of this. It was this like uh, Latino dude in spandex, like right in the front. He, he was, was like, like in, super drunk, yeah. Super drunk, all spandex, but with um, basketball gear over the spandex. It was like the workout, like bodysuit stuff that like yes. dudes wear. So I, we, both of us just made fun of him and because we clowned on him, but not too harsh, we didn't be like, I hope your mom dies, man. Like not like yeah. that. We clowned on him like his spandex. Cause I just was like, yeah. I mean, you're head to toe spandex. I am going to have to make fun of you now that you interrupted me, you know? Yeah. Um, his friends loved it and we kept making their friends laugh and of course when um everyone else's friends laugh they, they either react in two ways either they get even more angry or they start to laugh because they start to realize like oh you know let me be in on the joke instead of against the joke you know what i mean yeah and the latter happened and then we were able to there was other dudes who would start to talk to us and we had like comebacks and it was that magical thing remember both of us have this yeah where someone would heckle and we had a retort immediately because yeah. i think we were just so in the zone and then we were able to like go from the crowd work and 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 playing and clowning on the hecklers back into our material yeah. and it was such a fun set and people liked us and we were just like we just felt like we had leveled up as a comic you know and we were so like i remember there was like a table of like Latinas who were like just get they were like on their after work like happy hour game or something yeah and then I remember that we left and we were like that was amazing we were like so happy and we went to a backyard show in Silver Lake which was like all like hipster like comic people and then we literally were like I wish we were back in Lakewood like we hated <laughs> well because the 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 play it was the grotto shout out to yeah, Terrence Newman yeah. which is usually a good mic but because I think we got there later it was all the like brand new white open mic hipsters that were like at the end of the list waiting to go up. So it was just a dead mic that night where everyone was the same. There was no energy. It was just not good. You know, the, the grotto was fun, but it need, but just like any show, it needs, you need to have like a good diverse group of comics who show up or else everyone starts to sound the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but that always, was- Long live Lakewood. That's what I guess. Long live Lakewood. I wish um, we knew what bar that was. And then like when quarantine's done, we like go meet there. Like, it's like, you know, like when Miranda meets Steve on a bridge in Sex and the City after their like fight. And I'm, I'm crying, just like, I'm we'll always have Lakewood. And then we just meet there. Miranda, Miranda, I love you, Miranda. Oh, I love this. This is Steve. There's good stuff here. Not enough, Steve. Not enough. <laughs> That's what it is. Not like. enough, Steve. I don't know. Miranda. Sometimes you just have to die, Miranda. It's like kind of Cartman as Steve. You do do the best. It is the best Steve of all time, though. And for any straight men listening, that would be Steve from Sex and the City, but you're not listening, so whatever. <laughs> okay, no, but me and me and Nike were talking about this while I was torturing him watching Sex and the City. He fucking hates the show. Um, you have to understand, my boyfriend did not have a white friend until he was a 19-year-old freshman in Vassar. He had never been around a, like a school with white people. Or Mine a neighborhood either. With, right? <laughs> no, but your school was like, 
a quarter, like had some, had white kids. He had two, he, I mean, Chris had two white kids in his school. And oh, your boyfriend. I, I thought you were talking about your high school. No, no, no. I'm saying my boyfriend too. He didn't right, right. school. But your high school was like half Latino. So it did have a lot of Latinos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he didn't, um, he just like didn't grow up around white people. Like there were things that he was just like culture shock that he talked about, about being ambassadors. Like this is so fucking weird. But Sex in the City was one of those things where it's just like, he just didn't watch it, you know? And then when he ended up watching it, I think because he's also a New Yorker, he's just like, what the fuck is this stupid shit? <laughs> it's just like not his New York in any way. But we were just talking about how the further we get away from Sex in the City as Gen Xers, because you're an older Gen Xer, I mean, uh, sorry, millennial. As, I'm sorry. How could as, you? <laughs> I'm, I'm scrambling. You know, my brain know. goes a million miles. As millennials, you're an older millennial. I'm a younger millennial. Um, but because we're like far from the like Gen X generation of like Sarah Jessica Parker, like people, and I'm really referring to the Gen Xers who were teens in the 80s. That's really yeah. the Gen Xers I'm talking about. The like white upper middle class life that they live in Sex and the City of like going to like Williams and Sonoma and picking out like a brand new cheese grater and China bowls. It's just kind of like, that it, they seem like they're living lives of 60 year old people. You I feel like I even mean? the people who live those lives didn't live those lives. Like it's a very insane, but, but I'll I, love it to, I'll love it till I die, but it's insane. But yeah, but I, I, I actually think it's because in older generations, you had people that could obtain more job security, even if they didn't have super, super high power jobs, like a carry, right? Um, but in the millennial generation, we're all like gig economy type people, customer service type people. And if you're not, and you're like a richer millennial, you usually work in only a few industries. You work in tech or some type of startup. You work in the business realm, corporate, um, or you have a really good showbiz job, or you're like in law. Besides those industries, you really don't earn that much money. Even the medical industry now, doctors and nurses, you actually don't even earn that much money anymore. So, so many millennials who are like, have great professions like teachers and nurses and people who I feel like would be living a better life in like the 90s, now are struggling or having to like have a side business or whatever. So this like fantasy life of Sex and the City just seems so foreign and old fashioned. And it like kind of seems ridiculous. And it is funny, like, imagine, I mean, I'm sure somebody's, like, done this before, but I'm, like, if they were millennials, like, Carrie would be writing for Vice until it shuttered, and then she would write for BuzzFeed, and then, like, like, Mar Miranda could never do anything, because she'd be, like, I'm in debt from law school, like, she'd be, like, freaking out, yeah. and then, like, Samantha would probably, Samantha would not be in PR, she would be fucking a dude who is, like, in PR, like, you know what I mean? Like, anytime they came over, she'd be, like, oh, yeah, it's just my, and my much older boyfriend's house, you right. know? Right. And, like, Charlotte would be, I don't even know. She'd be, she'd have an, an influencer. She'd be an influencer because she grew I mean, up rich, remember? Yeah. She married yeah. well as well. She married well as well, yeah. And, um, and then of course, oh, Nike hates that she's a rich girl who works in a gallery. He's like, that's the oldest New York white girl rich trope is some like yeah. rich girl or working in a gallery who pays her, you know, $10 an hour. But of course she has a trust fund. So it doesn't matter what she makes, you know? Yeah. I do love, though, that I will say the last thing about, I mean, I love so many things about the show, but I love the episode where a celebrity comes into Charlotte's gallery 
and he's so dumb and hot that he like thinks the um, fire extinguisher is a piece and he's like oh yeah staring at it and he's like just means so much and she's like it's an actual fire extinguisher <laughs> and then she goes and like parties with him for an afternoon and that's just that's what I always saw for my life but um <laughs> I guess we have to wait for that well you um, have gone out with some dumb guys <laughs> that is so you're so right <laughs> You, it's just your fault for never taking them to an art gallery. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, any um, final thoughts on the life, Sex in the City? Anything look, for this Lake, week? Lakewood is better than Sex in the City. I'll say it. Yeah, I'll long live it. Lakewood. Life I love long live Lakewood. Forget, forget Cosmos, honey. I'll go for Corona any day. Long live Lakewood and the Misty Mountains, of course. <laughs> Was that your Drew Barrymore? No, this is my uh, this is my nerd voice, who is very into Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings. I would have to say my favorite region of the Middle Earth realm is the Misty Mountains because of its vast ancient lore in the Tolkien verse. That's my that's my nerd voice, and that's our pull clip for this week. <laughs> um, you guys have been great. Hey, listen, um, if you want to book Jonathan for a nasty Zoom show, a private nasty Zoom show, he'll do look, it. Look, here's the thing. I may not talk about sex at all. I sometimes do just clean material about what old movie that I was watching, but I don't like to be restricted. <laughs> sometimes I do want to talk about my butt and I should be able to. Because that's America. That's America. That's my, that's my America. Where, where gay comics can talk about their butt whenever they want. Honestly, yes, that's a good America. And I like good American jeans. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, guys. <laughs> we love you, um, Katie. You're, where are you, uh, do you have anything to plug? Where are you going to be? <laughs> um, I will be in the forests of Northern California. Um, you guys oh, can jealous. follow me there. Um, and I will be hopefully getting more cat skeletons. Um, you know, we'll see. I, if you became someone who collected skeletons, I would fully support you and I would start to give you skeletons. There is a, there's a shop in Burbank. Hope it lasts. Um, it's like a witch shop and they sell a lot of different bones and you can buy literally like jaw bones of possums. You can buy like sloth skeletons. I don't know. I literally asked the girl, where do you get this? And she said, we have a bone dealer. Ooh, I hope they're, they're getting bones that are just so old or they died of natural causes. They have, they, they actually sell human bones there. One time they sold a child's rib cage. <gasps> and I was like, no. honey, it's not even my birthday yet. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> and on that note. Anyway, she done. said it has to be older than 100 years old and it had to have been, um, they had to have died naturally. That's great. That's to have nice. a bone. So anyways, guys, keep your bones clean and uh, <laughs> we will see you next week. Until next time. Bye. Bye. I'll be scrubbing my bones. <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs>